Hi everyone, uh, it's great to be with you again for the next in our series on encountering Jesus uh, through the Gospel of John. The boxer Muhammad Ali is possibly the most famous sports star of the 20th century and he clearly had huge sporting talent but also uh, had a wicked wit um, as well. He was known as the Louisville Lip and uh, you might recognise this saying, uh, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Well, he had uh, a whole load of sayings for which he became well known. Here are some of them. He said, it's hard to be humble when you're as great as I am. Uh, after beating Sonny Liston, he famously said, I am the greatest. I'm the king of the world. Uh, and speaking about Sonny Liston, uh, he said this, Sonny Liston is too ugly to be the world champ. The world champ should be pretty like me. Uh, and he said, if you even dream of beating me, you'd better wake up and apologise. Famous for all sorts of uh, hilarious uh, sayings. And in today's encounter with Jesus, we're going to find two of the New Testament's most famous sayings, one by Jesus and the other about Jesus. You see, the Gospel of John is, is like a gradual unveiling of who Jesus Christ is as John reveals Jesus having various encounters with people through his account. And today we're going to see Nicodemus encountering new life as he comes across Jesus. I wonder if you can spot those two famous sayings uh, as we read this passage. John chapter 3 verses 1 to 16. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one can perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You shouldn't be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound and you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we've seen, but still people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came down from heaven, the Son of Man, Jesus speaking about himself. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. 
we're going to ask three questions. What, why, and how? Firstly, what is Jesus saying here? Well, Nicodemus, he's a, a member of the ruling council, a member of the Sanhedrin, and he's obviously seen and heard things about Jesus. So he says in verse 2, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. Now, there's a whole bunch of <clears throat> different views about Nicodemus's motive in coming to Jesus here. But I like to think that Nicodemus is actually trying to hear more from Jesus because he's genuinely curious. He's wondering, could this be the Messiah even? Certainly a great prophet sent by God. He recognises Jesus is a teacher and a miracle worker. He says, we know God has sent you. I think he's genuinely curious. And in their conversation, Jesus introduces the first of the two famous phrases, being born again, which can be translated born anew or born from above, born from heaven. So verse three, he says, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And verse seven, you shouldn't be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Now, that term born again has become a bit of a, a label in some Christian circles where perhaps as a derogatory term, it means a certain style or type of Christian. But it's also become a phrase used in general popular culture to indicate a new start, to, to indicate a restart, a fresh beginning. So you might have heard it, I have, of a sports star, of a um, of a politician, of perhaps a survivor of a tragedy. And of course, it's been used many times in uh, numerous songs throughout the years. But that phrase, though it's used in popular culture, holds a vital, absolutely foundational principle of the Christian faith, which is this, that those who are spiritually dead need God to make them spiritually alive in order for them to be right with him. The rest of the New Testament makes that abundantly clear, but it's Jesus here who's introducing that concept. And I want you to notice this. It's to Nicodemus that Jesus says this. It's to someone who's very sincere, who's very trustworthy, who's very respected, who's very moral, that Jesus says, you, Nicodemus, need a brand new start. If you want to see, if you want to enter, if you want to experience the kingdom of God, the things of God, then you must give up on all that's gone before. You need a brand new start. See, the startling news here is that for the person conscious of their goodness, however good you've been, you need to be reborn. And the wonderful news for the person conscious of all their failings is that however bad you've been, you can be reborn. Everybody, Jesus says, needs this spiritual rebirth. And that's a vital concept because the Christian faith is never just about reforming oneself, about improving oneself, becoming better from within. It's always about regeneration, renewal, rebirth, beginning all over again. 
and it's regeneration through giving up on self-reliance, on seeing if there's enough good within to be pleasing to God, to give up on all that and say, God, I need your help from outside. That, you could say, is the primary feature that distinguishes the Christian faith from all other belief systems. It's the unique, decisive thing about the Christian faith that we call grace. That getting right with God and receiving eternal life is a gift received from outside, not a self-improvement plan from inside. So in contrast, Jesus says, you, Nicodemus, however good you are, however religious you are, however moral you are, you can't do it. You cannot experience the reign and rule of God for yourself. And that while you can't achieve it, anyone can receive it. So Jesus says, everyone who believes. And then John comments in verse 16, whoever believes. What a, what a note of hope for all of us, that wherever we are, however good, bad, whatever we might be, anyone, whoever who believes can receive eternal life and be born again. And Jesus is clear that although he says to Nicodemus, you must be born again in verse seven, the emphasis on being born again throughout this passage is on the work of God to bring about that new birth. So, for example, in uh, verse six, he says this flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. That's a logical statement. Only like can give birth to like, obviously. So new spiritual birth, children of God can only come from God himself. Nicodemus, Jesus is saying, to see the kingdom of God, you need God to give you new birth. And then in verse eight, he says this, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. You may not be able to explain all the effects of the wind and how it goes and where it will go next, but you can absolutely see the effect of the wind on the things around. So it is with the Spirit of God. You can't explain all his ways, but this new birth, you can definitely tell when it's happened. I, I uh, w w was with um, a family um, in their living room a number of, a couple of months ago, where we were about to baptise someone who'd just become a Christian, who'd just been born again, um, uh, because of her health conditions we had to do in her home. And listening to her story as she gave it that day, it was like, how on earth did all of this happen? She'd, she'd had a very spiritual background, but absolutely not Christian. How had she come to this? Well, it's very difficult to explain. Obviously, there's some processes and some friends in that. But Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. This new birth is from God. This lady hadn't worked it up from within herself. God had been at work with her. Now, everyone who encounters Jesus does so in their own way. Some very simple, others very complex, some dramatic, some very undramatic. Each of us in our own way encounters the living God in Jesus. We're just going to hear from Dan 
who's got his own story. He'd been coming to church for a while through a friend. He'd been uh, caused to think about the Christian faith. And he comes to church and he finds that he's encountering this Jesus in his own way. Let's hear Dan. So my story for how I met Jesus was um, previously when I was attending services, but not yet a Christian, um, I would feel this wave come over me from the right. And I would always just push it back. Um, I think even then, without admitting it, but knowing that that was Jesus, the Holy Spirit, just, you know, coming over to say hi. I was like, oh, not just yet. Thanks. I'll, I'll let you guys know when I'm when I'm ready. Um, and I'd spoken about it with a few people in the church uh, and they'd said, well, next time it happens, why don't you just go with it? Well, what's the worst that could happen? So I said, OK, yeah, I will. And uh, it was the Easter baptisms in 2018 um, and everyone had been successfully baptised. And then uh, there was the call for people to come to the front if they would like to be prayed for and, um, you know, uh, become a Christian. Um, and I felt this wave coming over and I was like, I was getting ready to push back. And I was like, no, go on, just let it, just see what happens. And I did. And um, I'm really pleased I did. Uh, next thing I knew, I was up at the front uh and i was being prayed for and just in floods of tears just saying things that i probably wouldn't even admit to myself back then and um yeah just uh, the sense the sense afterwards was incredible uh, thank you dan for sharing your story secondly why why is jesus saying this well if we jump down to verse 16 we find the beautiful motive behind this whole encounter and behind anyone encountering Jesus is this. It's the love of God. Verse 16 famously says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. When our boys were younger, uh, probably before we put them to bed, we would uh, have this little game we'd play with them and we would say, I love you this much. And then the son would say, I love you this much, a bit more. And we would say, I love you this much and so on and so on. Or we would say, I love you as big as the sofa. And the next and next would be, I love you as big as the house. And then I, be, I love you as big as that field or so on and so on. We would be trying to outdo each other with how much, expressing how much we loved each other. This is the beautiful centre of the Christian faith, that God is love and that he so loved us that he sent his son so that we shouldn't perish but have eternal life. That's what this is all about. That's what's behind every encounter. Why is this going on? Because God is loving Nicodemus in causing him to encounter Jesus. And then finally, how? How can I be born again? You see, if we must be born again, Jesus says, then the big question for each of us becomes this. How? How can I be born? If I must be, how can I be born again? What must I do if I'm not to perish, but instead to have eternal life? But we've got to wait a minute and ask, hasn't Jesus said that the wind, the Holy Spirit, blows where he pleases? That only spirit can give birth to spirit. So what part am I supposed to play in this process if it's a God-initiated and God-driven thing? 
Do I just wait and see if it happens to me, whether I become born again because the wind of the Spirit has blown on me? Well, it's not quite like that. You see, interestingly and very importantly, the phrase, you must be born again in verses 3 and 7, is both a passive and an active statement. Let me explain. It's passive in that you on, you can only receive it. It's a work of God. But it's active in the sense that it is still an instruction to be obeyed, which is why Jesus says you must be born again. Just before lockdown, I was about to go to the Middle East to visit a couple associated with our church. And um, I made lots of plans and so on to get there. Now, you could have given me the instruction, you must get to the Middle East. You must get there. I might have said, well, on my own, that's impossible. I can't can't just get to the Middle East. But I can if it is both an active and a passive statement. See, I will be actively engaging in the process of getting to the Middle East, but I'll be essentially passive in the getting there because It's the power of the coach to get me to the airport. It's the power of the plane to get me from this country to that country that will get me there. It's both passive and active. That's true here. How can I be born again? Well, only the Spirit of God can make you born again, but you are active in the process. Hence the command, you must be born again. So here's the active part. Verses 14 and 15, Jesus says this. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, a story from Numbers chapter 21 in the Old Testament, so the Son of Man must be lifted up on the cross to die, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. And then verse 16, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So you might ask, well, what must I do? If it's a work of the God, what's my active part in it? Well, I must believe. I must rely on. I must trust that Jesus lifted up on the cross and my faith in him will give me that eternal life, will cause me to be born again. That's what Jesus is saying here. Charles Spurgeon was a famous preacher from the 19th century called the Prince of Preachers. So good he was. And uh, he, from childhood, was very aware of the need to get right with God in Christ. He was aware of the need to have eternal life, to not perish. He knew he needed to be born again. Much later on, he wrote this. I resolved that in the town where I lived, I would visit every place of worship in order to find out the way of salvation, how he could be born again. I felt I was willing to do anything and be anything if God would only forgive me. So I went to all the places of worship, but I never once heard them fully preach the gospel. Then one winter day, when he was aged about 15, It snowed so much that he couldn't get to his normal church. So he went down a side street and found a small chapel. He sat down in the service, but there was no one really to lead the meeting. No minister came. He says, at last, 
a very thin looking man, not a regular minister, went up into the pulpit to preach. His text from the Old Testament was, look unto me and be saved all the ends of the earth. That was the text for the day. Well, Spurgeon sat listening to this guy and he really was not impressed with what he was hearing. But Spurgeon recalls this and says this, then he looked directly at me and as if he knew all my heart, he said, young man, you look very miserable. Well, I was, sure enough. The man in the pulpit continued, you will never get out of it unless you look to Christ. And then the minister or the preacher, sorry, lifting up his hands, cried out, look, look, look. It is only look, using the text for the day. Well, Spurgeon says, at once I saw the way of salvation. Oh, how I did leap for joy at that moment. I had been waiting to do 50 things. But when I heard this word, look, what a charming word it seemed to me. Oh, I looked until I could almost have looked my eyes away. And in heaven, I will look on still in joy. Jesus says that whoever believes Anyone who believes in the Son of Man, Jesus lifted up, like Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, lifted up on the cross, will be born again, will receive eternal life. It's only look, look to Jesus, trust in him, have faith in him, just as Spurgeon did. So a challenge and an encouragement, just to wrap up. It's a challenge. Jesus unequivocally says, you must be born again. Maybe you're watching this and you're not a Christian yet. You're not following Jesus. Let me challenge you with his words and say you must be born again for eternal life. But an encouragement, the encouragement is grace, as we've mentioned already. Everyone who believes, whoever looks as Dan has done, as Spurgeon did, whoever trusts in Jesus, giving up on their own self efforts at salvation, will be born again. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to rescue us. Thank you that in you there is new life. Lord, give us that, we pray. May many be led to you to eternal life and not to perishing and delight in Jesus forevermore. Amen.